Hey guys, Michelle here. Raise your hand if you feel like you've been doing all the things, but nothing seems to really be helping. I know you've done the mindset work. I know you've tried to get yourself and your family organized. I know you've tried to exercise and you want to eat better, but do you still find yourself just kind of feeling blah or anxious or overwhelmed? They're still feeling really burnt out by the speed of life these days. I know, I get it, and I was right in your shoes just a few years ago. But once I learned the science behind regulating my nervous system, and I really got a handle on a few simple balancing exercises that really helped me to get out of my head, which is really hard for a lawyer to do, and into my body, and shift the state of my nervous system, guys, everything changed. Incorporating these exercises for just a few minutes a day, it's all it takes, two to five minutes, It 10x'd my productivity, it allowed me to be calmer, more present with my kids, increased my performance and my creativity at work, it stabilized my mood and my emotions, and it even improved my sleep. And it's not too good to be true, guys. It's what naturally flows from a balanced and well-regulated nervous system. So I want to invite you to register now for my free live virtual workshop. It's called the Calm Mom Masterclass, and I'm doing it on May 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern. I want to teach you what it takes to rewire your brain so that you have tools, tools that work for your body to help manage your anxiety, overwhelm, and burnout. Also, you can be that calm-centered presence at home and at work. And don't worry if you can't make it to the live event. Just be sure to register now snag your C and we'll email you the recorded replay afterward so you don't miss out. Can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. Hey guys, Michelle here. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. I am so excited to bring you guys today's episode. Today we have the one and only Dr. Morgan Cutlip on the show. You guys might know her through her amazing Instagram account by the same name, at Dr. Morgan Cutlip. I've linked it in the show notes for you. That's where I met her, and I was just blown away by her content. She is someone I was definitely fangirling over here as I was interviewing her just to be in her presence and in her wisdom and pick her brain and then be able to record it all for you guys so you could kind of be a part of it. Just so special. Dr. Morgan has a master's in human development and family science. She has a PhD in counseling psychology. She's the co-founder of My Love Thinks, 
which is an organization that creates educational content to help people have lasting and loving relationships. And throughout her career, you guys, she's helped hundreds of thousands of people all across the globe learn how to form and maintain healthy relationships. She's been featured as a relationship expert with Teen Vogue, the New York Times, Women's Health Magazine, all over the place. She's a fellow mom. She's got two kids. She's also married. And we're just going to talk about all things motherhood today. We're going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about burnout. We talk about a mother's mental load. And she really shares some such great practical tips and handles that we can start to implement right away that will have a huge impact on our relationships, on our family life, on our mental and emotional health. So I'm so excited to bring you guys this episode. You're going to love Morgan. You're going to love this conversation. Let's jump in. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So we're going to talk about so many good things today. I'm believing that all the moms listening are going to get new tools and strategies and have some aha and light bulb moments that are really going to empower them. And I can't wait to talk about it. But before we do that, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're also a fellow mom. So tell us a little bit about you, maybe personally, and then the work that you're doing. Yeah, I know. I feel like how much time do you have? Because <laughs> it's okay. So I am a mom to two kids. I can't even really say they're that little anymore. So mm-hmm. our oldest is nine. Her name's Effie. And then Roy is seven. He just turned seven. They are family names, which is why they sound like elderly people. And I'm from Ohio originally. I married my high school sweetheart. I have been in this field of my doctorate in psychology, but I've been in the field of specializing in relationships for over 15 years. And a lot of those years, not as much anymore, but I worked with my dad, Mm -hmm. who also has the same degree and specialized in relationships and was like like the original course creator. He was like developing courses and teaching them live before it was a thing that like everybody was doing. So I feel like I kind of grew up in the profession, going to conferences and things like that. From Ohio, live in Southern California now, which is crazy different. And I homeschool. (laughs) (laughs) What more can I say? Chronically like Going in a million directions. So when we talk about burnout, I know I'm very familiar to it. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, and you sent questions, which is like so lovely that you do, but you asked like about my motherhood journey. And I think for me, the thing that was the most striking was like, I thought I'd be really good at it. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I'm like, I have a master's in human development and family science and a PhD in psychology. And like, I, I'm credentialed. I'm going to crush it at motherhood. Yeah. I, I thought it would be like this modern day Mary Poppins. And I cannot tell you how hard it hit me yeah. because I did not prepare myself for like, I might have a kid that has a difficult temperament. Mm-hmm. And I underestimated how emotionally and physically exhausting it would be. And there was this whole thing where my husband missed kind of like the first nine months of her life because he got relocated to California. So the striking piece about my entry into motherhood and motherhood journey is just this learning process of how to like return to me and how to adjust my expectations and Mm self-compassion and all the things, but also this adjustment of like, you know, 
not expect, not like (laughs) knowing it's okay to not know it all and, you know, to learn along the way. And so we can talk more about the shifts, but that was my entry into motherhood. Yeah. Oh man. I hear you. And I resonate with so much, (laughs) so much of that. I feel like when I, when I was pregnant with my first like we took all the courses and it was like breastfeeding class and all the whatever. And then I was like, we're so ready. We have all the nursery stuff. We had the baby showers. And then the baby came and I'm like, I just got smacked. I was like, man, I was so unprepared. It's that thing, right? It's like the the difference between your expectations and your reality yep. is where like the difficult moments and feelings of falling short really develop and like kind of like fester. And that's yeah. I mean, that was like my first thing was I thought it'd be good. I wasn't, I wasn't good. I mean, I don't know. Right. And it feels harder. Like you went in super prepared and then gosh, it feels so different than you expect it to be. Yes. And you're, I know you're a relationship expert. And for me, and in my experience, one of the ways in which I felt the most unprepared was for the impact it was going to have on my marriage. And I think before kids, like my husband and I were that couple that were like almost annoying. Like we never fought. We had so much fun, (laughs) right? It was like happy hour. And just like, we had, we went on trips together and we were just best friends. And the, the, the 180 that came about in that when a child was introduced into the dynamic. And I think all of the un probably one, all of the expectations I had that I wasn't even aware of, of how he was going to show up as a dad. And then, so I wasn't even aware of them. I certainly couldn't verbalize them to him. And so much like resentment that grew there before I actually was able to like realize what was going on. And like you said, extend myself and us so much compassion and and through that learning curve. I know you like totally nailed it. So I have a, I did a webinar once on marriage after kids Okay. and I broke down like four things that kind of start four things that can lead to a breakdown in the relationship. And one of them is these expectations that you're talking about, because what we don't realize is that we develop expectations for like how we think our partner should be as a parent and how we'll be as a parent. We have lots of other ones, but we develop them like as we're growing up and they just live below the surface, completely out of our awareness. And so it's really hard to prep ourselves for what it's going to be like when they rise up to the surface, but it's like, they're like these dormant seeds. And then we enter into parenthood and it's like the water and the sunshine that they (laughs) need to grow. And they come out and we're like, I thought you would be totally different. And you know, it's like, we don't even, we didn't even know. And they really, I think they really catch a lot of us off guard. Yeah. And we only know our own experience, right? So like my, just in this dynamic, I guess, at least my dad was like a blue collar farmer guy who could fix anything super always around. And like, I was the oldest of five kids and he was just like, so involved in raising us. My husband's dad was a white collar executive who was always flying around the country and would throw his you know, credit card at any problem and just wasn't there for the basketball games and to have those conversations throughout childhood. So we just had such different ideas of what it even looks like to be a loving dad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm like so tempted to just deep dive into this, but I know 
<laughs> wasn't even on our agenda. But yeah, we all like, bring something. So many things. I know. And I it's great that you can identify this now. And I bet you guys have had some really good conversations about it. But yeah, yeah part of it is like, what did you see growing up? And do you want that to be what, you know, like, do you want that to be the family that we have? And I think I think this is like one of the cool parts of being a grown up is that if we're insightful enough to recognize this stuff, we have the power then to do things differently or to repeat them or to add in some new stuff. And like, that's a beautiful thing about these families we create is like, okay, your dad threw credit card at stuff. Your dad wasn't around as much. Is this the dad you want to be? Like, let's just, let's not judge this. Let's just talk about, you know, the, the dad you want to be to our, to our kids. And, you know, what was some of the good about that? growing up and what what are some of the stuff we want to shift and so i think it's it's a cool thing to be able to bring these things to light and to put them on the table and to to do it differently yeah to decide really have that power to decide how you want your family to be so true i do want to talk about burnout and i think sometimes (laughs) when we think about burnout those of us who who you know aren't about it and aren't in it all the time i think sometimes it gets thrown around and it's really just like a work thing or it's like a work-life balance yeah. thing. And I and I know you teach on burnout and how it shows up really in our motherhood walk and in our parenting. So just tell us a little bit about that. And then maybe some of the signs we can start to be on the lookout for, for when it starts to creep in. Yeah, it is funny. I did a presentation for a company once on burnout and I was like digging into the literature on it and it is almost all in regards to work, which mm. is crazy. But if you think about what we do as moms, it's, it's, it's work. work. So it's like, nobody will deny <laughs> it that it's work. You, you get compensated differently, but it's, it's, it really is. And so it, I think that all of all that we learn from that literature and for the most part translates pretty well. And I think, so there's three main sort of components of burnout that you start to see in people that start to like kind of can clue you in as to what's going on or that you're headed toward burnout. And I think for the most part, like it's just a physical and emotional experience that we like we intuitively know that we're starting to feel burnt out. But here are the signs. So there's three pieces. The first is this emotional and physical exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like if somebody's speaking it out and just common vernacular, it's like, I'm so burnt out. You know, it's that just like exasperated feeling of like, I cannot do anymore. The second one is disconnection. Mm. And this is the one that I think sometimes we miss a little bit. And I would say this is kind of like I'm numbing out. And so I think a lot of us do this by scrolling. I'll catch myself doing it. I saw somebody posted something today about shopping. I think some people do this by shopping, but there's all sorts of ways, maybe by eating or ways that we like disconnect from ourselves because we are just needing a break. But we usually do this in a way that actually is not that nourishing or fulfilling. Mm. So especially scrolling, I think this is like, I think this is a big problem. And I know we all talk about the effects of social media and things like that. But when we're feeling burnt out, which means we're already kind of in this vulnerable state, and then we numb out by scrolling on mm-hmm. social media and exposing ourselves to, you know, if you're anything like me and you follow like people like me mm-hmm. or parenting accounts or or, things, or even like fashion or home influencers, a lot of what you end up feeling when you stop your scroll is 
terrible. Mm. You feel like you're you're being told all the ways you're doing things wrong. I think sometimes it increases our anxiety that we are not following the expert advice perfectly or we're lost in this comparison. So it can be like a real damaging way to numb out mm-hmm. when we're burnt out because usually when we're burnt out, we're already feeling kind of off. Yeah. The third piece is this impairment in our ability to regulate and and like our impairment in functioning both emotional and cognitive. So I think a lot of times how it shows up is in like irritability toward those that we love the most, toward our kids, toward our partners of just not being able to control our emotions. And then the other is this cognitive impairment. So forgetfulness, for me, one of the biggest ways it shows up is my creativity is like out the window. Mm. I'd be like, I suddenly have nothing to say about anything, you know? (laughs) And it's like, where did it go? It's probably haven't allowed myself enough time to rest and reset and all the things. Yeah. So rest and reset. So important. (laughs) What are some of the best ways or some of the most effective ways you think that we can do that or the boundaries or safeguards we can have in place when we feel it starting to creep in? Because you're right. I think some sometimes we think we're resting and we're laying on the couch and scrolling (laughs) and it's not effective rest. It's not actually productive rest. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to cross through all your questions with this one because (laughs) I have like a pretty like strong opinion about it. (laughs) Tell me. So, okay, here's the thing. When we talk about this, and I live way too much on social media than I care to admit, but when we talk about this, usually what we do is we give moms, especially like lists of self-care strategies. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, meditate, get some exercise, watch your sleep hygiene, Mm -hmm. um, go on a vacation, get your nails done, all these things. And here's the thing. Those are great ideas. Yeah. Those sound great, right? Like who, who wouldn't love to meditate every single day? And that does make a difference. I've had brief moments in life where I've done that. (laughs) It just (laughs) helps. So I think like when you ask me, what do they do? I think those lists are not hard to come by. Yeah. So Google it. I've got, I do have some of these on my account too, but something that kind of bugs me about it, which is that it makes this assumption that we have time and resources to make these things happen in our life. Right. And sometimes we don't. And a lot of times we don't. Yeah. And it makes the assumption that we have no guilt or no feelings about asking for this time or asking for these resources, which a lot of us do. We have these like blocks that get in the way of our ability to ask for help and assert ourselves and take up some space in our relationships. And then the last thing that annoys me about them (laughs) is that we already have a lot of to-do lists. And so when we have a whole list of things to do to care for ourselves and we don't have time to get to them, it's one more way we're falling short. Yep. And like, yeah. we don't need that in our lives. <laughs> so, so like I get hesitant to answer the question by giving a list. So this is my answer. Yeah. This is my answer. I believe that true and deep, meaningful self-care is related to how we manage. I'm going to use like weird words here, how we manage our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. So when we talk about regular self-care, it's almost always about the physical body. Mm -hmm. Meditate, exercise, get your nails done. And those are great things. But like, there's more to us than that. 
-hmm. We have an emotional side. We have a mental side. We have all these other aspects of self that require that we check in on. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the best ways to prevent burnout or recover from burnout is to get really good at checking in and tuning in to yourself, Mm -hmm. like almost like a body scan. Yep. And figuring out what do I need in this moment that's going to actually fill me up. And I think it sounds like an obvious thing, but when we're on the couch scrolling away, we're numbed out to even like this need that we have to tune into ourselves. If we tune into ourselves, we'll probably say, this isn't what I need right now. Yeah. Our bodies hold so much wisdom. And sometimes we just don't even slow down enough to pay attention, right? They're kind of like oblivious to what it's trying to tell us. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit, and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns, and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two minute personality patterns quiz. I know in, in the realm of burnout too, I saw that you have scripts available that like yeah. women can use. T- tell me about that. Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you about two things. So when I talk about managing your relationship with yourself, I actually have a book that is available for pre-order. It comes out in September called Thanks. Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. And the whole book is the framework for how do you manage your relationship with yourself? What do you do? How do you dig deep? But then what are the tools you can access in the moment? And so I would love for your listeners to check that out. It's on target.com, Amazon, Barnes and Noble everywhere. But in the immediate, in the immediate term, I do have a whole bundle of guides for moms. They're free, they're downloadable. And one of them is 30 ideas for recharging when you don't have much time Mm. and then another scripts for support around burnout. And so I think a lot of times there's a lot more to it. There's mom guilt, a a guide for mom guilt, and then a guide for how to talk to your partner about the mental load. And it comes in audio too, which is kind of cool. So you can just listen to it. But I think a lot of times we lack the lang, like the words to actually assert what we need when we're burnt out. Yeah. And I found that offering scripts sometimes can really empower people to step into actually getting to a place where they ask for what they need. Mm, I love that. So for you guys listening, we're going to include links for all of that in the show notes. So we'll do a link to the book so you can find it easily in pre-order and then also a link to the bundle. Such a great resource. And it's really cool that you do have it by audio. That's brilliant. 
Thank you. That's yeah, how I, I love consume that. all my content. So I'm so like, good. I gotta make this easy for moms. Yeah. So with the script for burnout, I'm just curious. I'm curious. Is is that script to whom are you saying these things? Is it mostly your partner? Is it your boss, your children, or is it's it just like partner? It's mostly, mostly your partner. partner. Yeah. And it's it's there's it goes both ways. So it's scripts are asking. I know. Please don't tell wow. me ask me to say any of them because I'm like, oh no, I forget. <laughs> but it's scripts. For your partner to so to ask for what you need. And then it's mm. also scripts that you can give to your partner that are scripts of support. Because mm. I found too this this crosses over different domains, but like for example, with the mental load. I think that sometimes we need our partners to actually like step in and take over more responsibilities and like do the thing. Like a lot of times we need them to do the thing, but also a lot of times what we really want is appreciation Yes, and to be like, to get that verbal affirmation that they see our world and all that we do. And I think that actually goes a long way and it's so easy and a lot of people don't do it. And so some of the scripts also are around that. So like, yeah, slide them on over to your partner. <laughs> so good. I feel like so, that's so good because I feel like something that I've been releasing is like I had this pride thing where I'm like, well, I don't want to ask to be appreciated for what I'm doing, you know? But I've like let that go in the last, I don't know, year or two and really like pushed myself to be so honest with my husband and be like, listen, I'm asking to be seen in what I'm doing today. Or like, can you please? And man, it's like really changed a lot of that and all of the underlying resentment. Like it's, it doesn't diminish it because I ask for it. It still makes me feel really good. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people think that it will. Yeah. And I just don't get that. <laughs> I just, it's like, well, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Like if you... And I bet you, I mean, I don't know, you might prove me wrong. So I might say this and eat my words, but I bet you that if you do do ask enough over time, he'll start to just do it without you having to ask. It's like, it's learning a new skill. Anytime we learn a new skill, we have to be really mechanical about it. And it's awkward sometimes and a little bit weird, but it, you know, if you're going to be a great basketball player, you're going to stand at the free throw line and like shoot over and over again. So the same applies for skills in our relationships. And I like that you're asking and sometimes it's going to be mechanical and I bet you over time, he's going to get real good at it. Yeah. And you're right. It is, it is just a pattern, but also I think it's even bringing awareness because sometimes they might, our kids, especially, but our partners too, they like they with no ill intent, they literally might not notice or see all that we're doing. And that kind of, I think brings us to that idea of the mental load that we carry. It's this yeah. invisible list and just this like running constant thing of everything we do behind the scenes that makes the lives of our people run so smoothly, yeah. right? That they only ever notice if we drop the ball or we're missing or something. Oh, and then if they call you out on that, that's when you explode, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the longer we go without asking, the more we perpetuate the invisibility of all that we do. Mm. And that's like a, something I feel like oh, there's certain things that I'm like, I could just hammer on a lot. And like one of them is pushing back against this idea of I shouldn't have to ask. Yeah. And it crosses like all domains of relationships. But for some reason, when it comes to the mental load, we get real resistant about asking. And I mean, forever we've been like, people aren't mind readers. You got to tell them what you need. You know, it's like, we've just, we've like, we totally accept that, that kind of line of thinking. But then when it's like, ask them what you need with a mental load, we're like, no, 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 they should just know. 
We're like, wait, how come it fits here, but not here? So I don't know. (laughs) And I want, it's, it's interesting. And I wonder why it is. And I think if I think about it for even just a second, I think sometimes I'm even overwhelmed by the idea of like putting my mental load, right? Like on paper or explaining it to someone else. And it feels, this might be not true at all, but it feels to me like it is easier for me to just do it all. So we're kind of stuck in that loop. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think that's exactly what a lot of people feel like. It's like asking is just adding to my mental load. And I think we have to approach it as a long, like if this is a pretty entrenched dynamic in our, in our relationship, which a lot of times it is, because I believe the way that things are distributed start, I mean, we could probably argue it starts like from birth, but like, I think it starts way before kids. Yeah. And so, you know, (laughs) So it's going to take – It's we got into this pattern over time. It's going to take a little while to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so if you think of it as like this is a long ball issue that we're working on and only one part of how we move into tackling it is by asking. And part of it is like bringing a renewed awareness of things that maybe you've been doing for a long time that they don't notice anymore. Sure. And so it's like walking back some of these patterns that have become really just entrenched in the relationships. And so I think it it is like short term. It's adding maybe a little bit more to the mental load by asking. I can totally get on board with that. But I think long term, what you're looking for is a partner who takes initiative, a partner who sees more stuff, a partner who understands what your world is like. And that's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to require that there are shifts made on both partners ends. And one thing, just a piece is asking because it, it brings the the tasks into a visible space. Mm, yeah. I would love for you to tell us, like, give us a little coaching, the people listening <laughs> on what a healthy and respectful way is to start asking for this like one that doesn't come from blaming or victim or judgment or any of that but a way that's really collaborative to be like hey this is all I'm holding I would like help in this way and this is like the expectation for this to actually be done in a way that doesn't then cost more work for me next week or whatever right right Oh, yeah. So this is part of the guide that I offer. So I would totally encourage because I go in deep in in depth. And I even talk about like, if they get defensive, Mm. what do you do? What do you what do you say? How do you because a lot of times it does stir up a lot of defensiveness, which I think is a reason why we also hesitate bringing it up. It's like, what, I don't do anything around here. And you're like, oh, seriously, (laughs) do we really need to like, first, we got to help your feelings before we get into this. It's frustrating. So I would encourage people to check that out. But I think, you know, I, I talked recently about, and this is easier said than done sometimes, but one, one perspective is like kind of getting your, yourself in the right headspace for this conversation. And it can be helpful to kind of like externalize the mental load as like the, the joint enemy of your family and relational life versus it being like, you don't care about my mental load. And so, you know, so much of how we talk to our partners and interact with our partners and, and all these things comes from like our interpretation of them and and things that they do or don't do and how we make meaning of this stuff. And so I think one thing that's really helpful that I don't see talked about a lot is getting in a good headspace and how you see your partner offering a little bit of like the most generous interpretation of them and preparing yourself for the conversation. And I think there's lots of ways to go about it. So 
when it comes to asking, you can ask in the moment, which is usually the ones that come out a little bit snappier. So you got to be careful with this one, or you can ask in anticipation of things. Mm -hmm. So this might be something like, um, you know, tomorrow I have a busy morning. I'd like you to pack the kids lunches in the morning. Can you make sure that's like, that's on your on your radar to get done. And like, if you have any questions, can you ask me now about how that's done? Mm. So that's like an, in anticipation Great. in the moment is like, you know, get the kids shoes on or whatever, (laughs) pack the diaper bag. But I think it's just, it's watching our tone and our delivery. And when I talk about the mental load, I talk about how, when it, when you really want to shift it, there's two aspects, there's the within. So that's like, the stuff I can do on my own if my partner does nothing. And then there's the between, which is like in in the dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking a little bit now about the within, which is like how I approach them. What's my tone? Because there are things we can do that, and I realize people push back against this too, but I'm happy if you have pushbacks, let's talk about them. But is is how can I make sure I am not self-sabotaging as I'm trying to hand off the mental load? Yeah. And we can do this when we're like, you know, it'd be great if you would help around here sometimes. I mean, that's going to sour the tone of the relationship and ultimately hurt us. Yeah. And so it's an important piece. I could just keep talking about this forever. So. No, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And I feel like what it ultimately comes down to is like remembering you're on the same team, right? It's like we're on the same team. I love that you said like, let's put this mental load as this third external thing we're both both coming at. Oh, I say one more thing. Yeah. Okay. I think another thing is I imagine like a continuum. I think so a lot of people, they assume. So if it's a continuum of like a willingness to jump in and help of your partner. Okay. And on one end, we have like completely take the initiative on their own. That's like the ideal. Uh And then on the other end, we have this like real active resistance. And these people exist. Like, don't get me wrong. There are partners who are like, I'm not doing anything. I went to work or whatever. They exist. But I believe most partners fall somewhere in between, which is like this passive willingness. Mm. And so if we can kind of visualize a continuum, so like, let's say you're like, yeah, I guess my partner's kind of like says these things like, just tell me what to do and it's as good as done or just point me in the right direction. And we get kind of annoyed by that, which I get. If we imagine that as like, oh, well, they're they're passively willing. And the goal when we're working on the mental load is like to keep moving along the continuum to get toward initiative taking on their own. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we have to check in with ourselves. Are we treating them like they are actively resistant when they're actually not and mm-hmm. expecting them to be a full initiative taker, which is, of course, the ideal. But um, a passive willing partner is not a bad thing. There's promise there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> there's potential there. Oh, there's hope. hope there. So it's just like we're going to keep moving you closer to this active initiation. Yeah. I saw this reel that you did maybe even yesterday or recently about how you had your calculator and you had like added up all. Yeah. And that kind of goes to that a little bit. Like, I guess you can tell it better than I can, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I was talking about how when we hand things off, one thing that we have to do is we have to give our partner the space and time to like figure it out and to fail at it and to fail at it without us like working ready to like you did it wrong. I knew you didn't know how, you know, it's like so satisfying too sometimes because we're like really good at stuff. Yeah. But my point was this, 
how many times have we had to perfect it or to learn how to do it the, you know, quotes right way? And so I pulled out my calculator and I was like, let's take lunches. If you do it, you know, a lunch every day, five days a week for one child for five years, I don't remember the number. Big like number. For 900 <laughs> lunches. Yeah. And just, you know, if you got two kids and we have two kids, so double it, that's a lot of practice. And yes. I think sometimes we just need to like have that reflected back to us like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess I, a while to figure, I guess I did pack peanut butter a few times when I wasn't supposed to, and I got a nasty gram from the school. So we, we've had that opportunity to probably do that stuff without a whole lot of criticism. Yeah. And it's nice to like, be able to give that to our partners too. Yes. I love that opportunity to, to reframe what we expect, (laughs) how we communicate. It's so good. Okay. One more thing I want to talk to you about today. As we talk about the mental load, as we talk about burnout, as we talk about self-care, there's kind of this underlying current about just what our needs are as a human, as a human being. And I think particularly in motherhood, there's kind of this glorified martyrdom sometimes where like, if we're not pouring it all out, we're, we're not good moms or like we can put that on ourselves. And I think that leads us to a place where forget expressing our needs, but we're so out of touch with what those needs maybe actually even are. And like you said, it's great to get our nails done or meditate or do all of these things, but we do have these basic needs. Like you talked about, about just being seen and acknowledged and appreciated. And I just wonder like for maybe women who are, are resonating with this a little bit, how can we start taking an inventory or just becoming better aware of of what it is that we're actually needing and maybe how that's like a driving force in in some areas that we're feeling frustrated with or disconnected with? I think you nailed it. I mean, I think that it's I'm actually I'm like I'm not good at telling people about myself. I'm like actually I'm working on a on a new guide yes. and it's all about needs. It's going to be two part and the first is identifying our needs because okay. I I kind of take for, I think we, I don't know. I took for granted that people know what they need. And I hear over and over again, like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin. And I think this is a sign when I talked about how we manage our relationships with ourselves. This is a sign that you're, you haven't tuned into yourself in a long time. And so you're just out of balance and mm. you're just disconnected. And I think something that also I can get like really passionate about is, we have to normalize being out of balance mm. because if we don't, we're going to feel bad every time we become out of balance. Oh. And I mean, if we think about the scales of my needs versus the needs of everybody else I'm in relationship with, almost always we're very, you can see my hands. Yeah, it's so lopsided. <laughs> always, yeah. Like our needs are super low, we're like a teeter totter, like yeah. We're like, our needs are on the ground and everyone else's are above ours. So we're a bit out of balance and that's normal. Yeah. But part of our, what we need to get better at is doing what we need to do to like recalibrate every now and then. So we get out of balance. That's fine. Let's not stay there. When we stay Mm. there too long, that's when we're disconnected from ourselves. That's when we don't know what we need anymore. And so I guess I'm saying this to just normalize. Yes. I think this is a real common experience. I love that. And There's a whole lot to say about figuring out your needs. I actually talk about this in the book too. Even talk about how, like how our attachment styles impact how we like receive needs and expect. So it's it's a whole conversation, but I think there are some things 
you can start to pay attention to. One is like, what are you complaining about a lot? Mm, that's <laughs> good. I, think, I think like we, it's so silly. We'll be like, oh, you know, my partner never appreciates me. And it's like, yeah. Okay. That's a need. Yep. Like, let's take a minute. Let's slow down enough to say, wow, I'm really empty when it comes to feeling like I'm being seen and I'm being validated and my world is understood. I'm going to make note of that. That is a direct need I can ask. I can ask yeah. for. And so complaints are a big time clue about our needs. Another is pay attention to how you meet the needs of others. Mm-hmm. And we almost always love in the way we like to be loved. And so if you're like, I don't even know what I need. Well, if you're running around town, dropping off special gifts for people, or like you pick up little surprises for your kids, you're like, maybe you really like to get like gifts. Like you like people to think of you throughout their day and like do something to acknowledge you. Well, then that's a need. Okay. Uh Let's like (laughs) jot that one down. And so it's really part of it is like, tuning in. It's like this theme that I keep coming back to tuning into yourself enough to start paying attention to Uh these things and maybe start writing them down. Yeah. You know, and I think too, like, think about the last time you felt really good. Yeah. When's the last time you felt filled up or rested or would insert loved, insert the word, and then take yourself back there and start making notes of like what was different about your life then. Mm. And and maybe you can't, maybe it's like pre-kids, this would be mine, pre-kids binging Sopranos in my basement, you know, and eating pizza before it gave me like indigestion. And (laughs) You know, I can't make that life happen again, but what are some pieces of that I can try to replicate and ask for in my life now? So, yes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's, and maybe it wasn't just the Sopranos and it wasn't the pizza, but it was like, what was it in that moment that yeah. felt so good? Right. Like, Quiet. Was it, yeah, yes. the, exactly. Oh, yeah. man. I hear that. I feel like sometimes. I have clients and I, I'll ask them straight up, like, what is it? Well, what is, this isn't working, but what is it that you want or what is it that you need? And yeah. it's like this blank look that you get. Yeah. And sometimes what I'll, I, and I learned this from someone else, but sometimes what I'll encourage is a, a writing prompt that just starts with, wouldn't it be nice if, and that's kind of like, you're exactly what you're saying. It just opens up this whole realm of like, what is it that I'm, that I'm missing or that I really appreciate that might clue me into some of my knees. It would be so nice if someone bought me a gift once in a while, if that's my love language, you know, just discovery of that. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I love that prompt. And I think we've got to like remove the walls around like, well, I couldn't make that happen. Right. Mm. Don't have the money. Like imagine your best case, like imagine the most beautiful moment. And then let's see what pieces of that we can work with. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Like as you're right. <laughs> why not? Why not me? I love that. Why not me? I love that thing. <laughs> yes. Oh man, this has been so good. So, Aww. so good. I really appreciate just all the time and, and, and work that you're doing in the space. I personally love your Instagram accounts. <laughs> I came across you and I reached out to my producer. I'm like, Hey, do you think you could ask her to be on the show? Um, So just so grateful that you're pouring into relationships and motherhood and really resourcing people, even this free bundle on your book, man. 
believing the book is the first of many. I'm so excited. yeah, I can't we have another one coming out after that. Too, yes. on the mental load. So stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to pre-order this one and then I'll stay tuned for Thank the next you. one for sure. Um, need those on my shelf, but before we, we get off today, just let everyone know, like, what's your IG handle? Where do you hang out most? Where can they find you? And then as far as the book and that bundle, I'll definitely include those links for everyone. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been such a nice chat. You're really easy to talk to. I've really enjoyed this. Okay. So I'm mostly on Instagram and my handle is just Dr. Morgan Cutlip and it's DR, no period, all one really long word. And my last name is like an injury to the lip. So it's like cut lip. Some people are like <laughs> cutlet. And I'm like, no, not like a chicken. And then we have a blog. So our blog is mylovethinks.com and you can find all our like all my stuff, all our stuff there. A lots of articles that I've written over the years. Our podcast episodes are linked there. All the freebies are there. I have a lot more that I didn't mention. And then my book, that is like, that is my baby. I want everyone yeah. to read it. Mostly because it, I think it will be really helpful for people. Yes. And I, something I value so much is practicality. Mm. Not just like these, like you leave a book sometimes, you know, and you're like, I'm inspired, but I don't know what the heck to do. Yeah. It tells you what you can do. And I'm really excited about it. And it's called Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. And you can find it at any any retailer online right now. So I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And I'm sure it's going to bless anyone that picks it up. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.